Today's broadcast of Bagels and Blessings has been previously recorded at an earlier time. Shalom Chaverim, that's Hebrew for hello friends, and Shabbat Shalom, that's Hebrew for Sabbath peace. This is Ethel Chadwick. Welcome to another week of Bagels and Blessings. Today you'll hear a pre-recorded interview with Pastor Greg Stone, and I'll be talking a little bit about Yom Kippur, or Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Stay with me and I'll be right back. and Blessings is a ministry of Congregation Shema Yisrael. We are a Messianic congregation made up of Jews and Gentiles who believe that Jesus, or Yeshua, is the promised Messiah. Our services contain Jewish liturgy and Davidic dancing, and we celebrate the Feasts of Israel. We meet at 250 Edgewood Avenue in Brighton, and our services are Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Please join us for worship. And while you are in the building, be sure to check out the Fig Tree Messianic Bookstore and Gift Shop. Now open Mondays from 6 to 8 p.m., Tuesdays by appointment, Wednesdays from 3 to 8 p.m., Thursdays from 3 to 6 p.m., and up to 30 minutes after services on Saturdays. You can call the Fig Tree Bookstore at 585-484-7775. The Fig Tree Bookstore and Gift Shop is a great place for books, CDs, cards, jewelry, and so much more. So be sure to check them out when you visit Congregation Shema Yisrael. And now, when you make a purchase at the Fig Tree Bookstore, you can fill out a raffle ticket. Those names will be drawn for a prize from Bagels and Blessings. So those of you in the Rochester area, be sure to visit Congregation Shemayas Royale in the Fig Tree Bookstore and fill out your ticket for a chance to win a prize from Bagels and Blessings. I'd like to invite you to our Yom Kippur services. Kol Nidre service is on Sunday night. September 24th at 7 p.m. and our Yom Kippur service is Monday morning September 25th at 10 a.m. There is no ticket required. All seats are free. We're located at 250 Edgewood Avenue in Brighton. Here's a great song from Yaron Cherniak called Coming Back to You. It's all about repenting, teshuva, turning back to the Lord. Shuba, 
I'd like to thank Excellent Air Heating and Cooling for sponsoring Bagels and Blessings. Give them a call today at 585-889-7840. They're a family-owned and operated business. Their prices are fantastic. They will take care of your air conditioner in the summer and your furnace in the winter. Give them a call today because they love the Lord and they are excellent. Excellent Air Heating and Cooling, 585 585- 889-7840. Yom Kippur, or Yom Kippur, as I grew up hearing it, is a very solemn holiday where Jews all over the world fast and repent for their sins. And for believers in Yeshua, the scapegoat is a picture of the Messiah, Yeshua, who was sent as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Just like the scapegoat, Yeshua receives our iniquities and transgressions and takes them from us. But unlike the scapegoat, his sacrifice is good for all time, rather than needing to be repeated from year to year. So this does present a problem for some believers. They question it. You know, sometimes we all question it. Are we supposed to fast and confess our sins like the rest of the Jewish people? Or do we just rejoice in the knowledge that we've already been granted forgiveness in Messiah? But many Jewish believers see Yom Kippur as a time of identifying with our Jewish people, introspection for ourselves, and intercession for loved ones, knowing that Yeshua is the one that makes us one with God. So believers in Yeshua who observe Yom Kippur or Yom Kippur 
recognize that although we particularly focus on our need for repentance and forgiveness on this day, we, believers in Messiah Yeshua, have received ultimate lasting atonement through Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of God. And there's very good information. Uh, This came from a website on Jews for Jesus. But Rami Jim Appel has written books on this holiday, which you can also get on Amazon. But I trust that this will be a time where you will do some introspection and you will come clean before God and renew your commitment to the Lord. This is Ethel Chadwick, and thank you for listening to Bagels and Blessings. You were enjoying the beautiful violin music of Maurice Sklar. It's from the CD called Songs of Zion. I'd also like to read you a sample of Rabbi Jim Appel's book, Yom Kippur, The Day of Atonement. He says here that Yom Kippur, or Yom Kippur, is the most holy day of the whole year to Jewish people. It is the second and the holiest of the two high holy days. It's a very serious, somber, sacred day. In the Bible, Yom Kippur is the day the high priest, or the Kohen Hagadol in Hebrew, entered the most holy place, also called the Holy of Holies, taking the blood of the sacrificed animals and sprinkling it on the mercy seat to make atonement for the sins of the people. And he does go into more depth in the first chapter of the book. Yom Kippur is also the day in the Bible when the high priest had to cast lots over two goats. One was chosen as the scapegoat and the other was sacrificed. And he goes into great detail in his book. I encourage you to buy it, Yom Kippur or Yom Kippur, The Day of Atonement, Appointed Time, on Amazon. Here's a beautiful song from Cory Keeler and Lef Shalom, Hashi Venu Elecha. We return to you, O Lord.
Shalom. This is Corey Keeler with Lev Shalom, and you're listening to Bagels and Blessings. Bagels and Blessings is a ministry of Shema Yisrael Messianic Congregation. Your tax-deductible contributions will help keep this program on the air. Make checks out to Shema Yisrael, that's S-H-E-M-A-Y-I-S-R-A-E-L, and please put Bagels and Blessings on the memo portion of your check. Send your contributions to Bagels and Blessings, Post Office Box 192, Scottsville, New York, 14546-0192. And you're invited to come and experience Messianic worship in person Saturday morning mornings at 10 a.m. 2.50 Edgewood Avenue in Brighton. And just a reminder, as I said earlier in this broadcast, if you'd like to join us for our Yom Kippur services, Sunday night we have Kol Nidre, or All Vowels service, Sunday night the 24th at 7 p.m., and Monday morning at 10 a.m. for our Yom Kippur service. And again, there is no charge, there is no fee. We would love to have you come and join us. 2.50 Edgewood Avenue in Brighton. Well, if you can't tell by now, today's theme is returning to the Lord. Oh, Lord God, bring us back to you. Here is a wonderful song from Joshua Aaron. It's called Bring Us Back.
You know, it's never too late to come back to the Lord. And you've heard that expression, when God seems far away, guess who moved? That's right, he's been there all along. So I don't know where you've been, what you've done, where you've gone, but it's never too late to repent and to turn back to the Lord and say, I am so sorry, Lord, but now I commit my life to you or I recommit my life to you. I wanna follow you all the days of my life. And if you just prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. You can write me at Bagels and Blessings. That's B-A-G-E-L-S-A-N-D, Blessings, Bagels and Blessings, at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, and I will pray for you. I'll pray with you. But just know that God loves you. He cares so much about what's going on in your life. And you know what he showed me recently? You know, I have, I have a friend that I love dearly, and she doesn't really take care of herself. She neglects herself, and it really concerns me. And the Lord showed me something important, and I want to share this with you. When God helps you to love yourself, and then you are able to love yourself, to truly love yourself, you will take care of yourself. Because you know what? You don't neglect those you love. If you were taking care of someone, you would make sure that they ate, they took their meds, they got their exercise, they stayed hydrated. So if you truly love yourself, you will take care of yourself. You, you don't neglect those that you love. So ask the Lord to help you to love yourself so that you can see yourself the way he sees you. This is Ethel Chadwick. Stay tuned for my interview with Pastor Greg Stone. Thank you for listening to Bagels and Blessings. Here is Sue Samuel with Fill Me Up. I see your beauty and I hear your song. I feel your power and I know your
Shalom. This is Sue Samuel, and you are listening to Bagels and Blessings. And may you be filled up to overflowing with the goodness, the sweetness of the Lord today. Here's my interview with Pastor Greg Stone. Enjoy, darling. Enjoy. Pastor Greg Stone, welcome to Bagels and Blessings. Good to be here. Well, I'm delighted to meet you over the phone. It's going to be a fun conversation, I can just tell. <laughs> tell me a little bit about how you were raised. Like, were you raised in a Jewish home, in a non-Jewish home? Let's start there. Yeah, um, everybody in my family was Jewish. Um, as far as I know, uh, there's nobody in our heritage that's not. Um, I, I know people sometimes don't appreciate Ancestry.com, but when I did it, I came out 100% Jewish, and I would have been shocked if it didn't. Um, <laughs> I, you know, we, we were raised Jewish. Um, we we did, um, we, you know, I was bar mitzvahed. I was, actually, I was bar mitzvahed by uh, Arthur Hertzberg, who actually at the time was the president of the American Rabbinical Council. So, yeah, I grew up in a Jewish home. Wow, wow. Now, did your family ever talk about, you know, those other people, the Christians, or did you ever hear anything about Jesus, or just curious? Uh, very little, but I do have a really early experience. Oh, d um, tell me. So, um, what happened was I was, uh, and, and, and I probably should say, you know, my, my mom was divorced when I was five, and so uh, my mom, my dad, my stepdad, all of them are Jewish. All of their great-grandparents are all Jewish. Um, but when my mom went through a divorce, um, I was probably, maybe I was four at the time, possibly five, but certainly, I, I could have been three even for, for all that, for all I remember. But I remember I was at the babysitter's house one day, and as I, I walked uh, down her stairs, and it's like the only scene I remember in that house. But I remember walking down the stairs and looking over to my left, and there was a fireplace, and over the fireplace there was a picture, and it was Jesus. And I just remember saying, I said it out loud, I was a little kid. I said, wow, who's that? You know? And she, I couldn't see her, but she heard my voice, and I heard her response. <laughs> she said, that's the Son of God. And so I went home that day, and I said, Mom, guess what I saw today? What? I saw a picture of the Son of God. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oy vey, oy vey. Yeah. So she said, we don't believe that. And so, you know, um, that, was, that, was, that was her whole answer. And, um, and I, all I remember about that moment was, I remember thinking, I don't think I said it, but I'm sure I didn't say it, but why not? That was literally what happened. Um, so I was probably, I was three to five years old. I know I was not, there's no way I was five and a half. And um, I should fast forward when I was, uh, just before I turned 24, I, I came to faith in Yeshua. And uh, I prayed for my mom to get saved for 28 years. And she did get saved when she was 82. And uh, there were some very hard times during the, especially during the beginning of that. Um, until we had, until we had kids, then grandkids do a lot of healing, you know. <laughs> mm. Once you have grandkids, they want to see those grandkids. So, but what ended up happening was um, she got saved when she was eighty-two. When she was eighty-six, this is one of my most heartwarming testimonies of my life, as you'll well imagine. So she was in the hospital. And um, the only people in the room was my mom, my wife, and me. And my mom, my wife was sitting on the other side of the room, and I was standing on the side of the bed, and I was feeding her from the side of the bed. And um, she, at one moment, at one point, turned away from facing to the side where I was, looked straight in front of her, and my wife and I both heard my mom say, "Jesus, would you take good care of my son?" He's a good man. Oh, wow. That's, that's the last time I saw my mom alive. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it just totally... I mean, I can just feel the Lord even as I tell you that story. It was just... Um, that was that was a gift to me. You know, I mean, because she went to be with the Lord 
But to have your mom say that, and you know, my mom in her last couple of years was dealing with dementia, and you're wondering, how is she doing? Does she really know what's going on? And that just erased any possible doubt. Of course. Well, let's back up a little bit. I want to know how a man that was raised in such a traditional Jewish home ever found out that Jesus is the Messiah. <laughs> well, um, okay, so uh, I was born Mitzvah, and so then I and then I continued to take. Uh, I actually uh, with a private with with a rabbi in the synagogue. I actually took private Bible lessons. I was, I mean, I loved Jew- Judaism. Um, my junior year in high school, I started to play with marijuana. And by my senior year in high school, I was doing it a good bit. And not that you could probably use the word good, I'll just say often. (laughs) And then then by the time I went off to college and I started to get involved with um, a lot more than marijuana, and I really did become a cocaine addict. There's no other way to say it. Um, I I went through paralysis more than once um, as I would go through withdrawal. And so I became a cocaine addict. I went to four years of college. At the end of four years, I, dro- I dropped out. I just stopped going, literally. I mean, I never even checked to see where I was in the degree program. And um, I, I, I just stopped going. I went home. I'm now living at home with my mom and my stepdad. And my dad said, Greg, why don't you join, join the Air Force? It'll make a man out of you. And I really did not like that idea because I was... Um, I was sort of the anti-war kind of young person. This is, you know, this is 1980. So this is before, you know, it was really, if you think about history, the following Vietnam, it was during the Carter days, President Carter days, people had a very low opinion of the military. It was Reagan who restored um, the, the idea of respect for the military. You know, nowadays, even if you don't, agree with the goals of the military you will still hear people say thank you for your service right well not not then you didn't then it was different and so um what happened was i uh, i did not want to join the air force but i thought to myself well at least if i join i i could move out of the house because i couldn't afford anything at this point so i went down and i signed up and i joined and um they made me of all things, a security policeman in the Air Force. And I I guarded, at the time, I guarded resources like planes. And so I'd be out on the hot flight line, because it was Hawaii. Hawaii's beautiful, but the the flight line can be really hot because the sun's strong. And the blacktop from the, you know, just collects the heat. And so I'd be out on this hot flight line, and there was this pilot who would bring me a cold drink and just come out and talk to me because it was really boring. And I was so thankful just to have somebody come out and talk to me. And he was friendly, and he'd bring me cold drinks. And one day he said to me, hey, uh, you think you ever want to go? He he would ask me questions. He would say things like, what did you do for Passover growing up? And he would say, what did you do for for Sabbath? He would just ask me questions. And I never felt like he was trying to convert me or anything. I just felt like he's just... He's just honest. He's just being nice to me. You know, if you ask questions without putting any pressure, it feels like honor. And so he would ask me these questions, and I would answer them. And he said, "Yeah, you think you'd ever want to go to church with me?" Well, I just thought he's an officer at the point. That point, I'm enlisted. And so I thought to myself, you know, the right, the obviously the right answer. I said, "Of course, I, I, yeah, I'll go with you." So I didn't really want to go. I was just being polite. And. But one Sunday evening, he came by the church, by the barracks. He said, well, you you ready to go? I said, you mean like now? To church? And he said, yeah, let's go. And I felt obligated, so I went. And during the church service, they had a time when people greet. There was a lady who hugged me. And there's no other way that I could explain it other than when she hugged me. I felt love. This lady was old enough to be my mother. And I thought to myself, she doesn't know me. She doesn't know anything about me. She doesn't know how horrible, you know, but she loves me. I was so taken by that hug. I remember praying during the service. I don't know what these people got, but whatever it is, it's real. And it's obviously from their Bible. So I'll read their Bible. I'll see what it says. 
So I went home, and this was Sunday, January 17th, 1982, and I started to read and opened the Gospel of Matthew, you know, uh, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of, of, of Abraham, the son of David, and I thought to myself, that is like a really Jewish line. You know, that is not a, a, a Gentile line. And that's not condemning, on, like, that's, that's, a, like, that's an honoring line. So I, I read the New Testament uh, over the next couple of weeks. Well, that was, that was Sunday. On Friday, I went to go see the youth pastor, because at the time I was lifting a lot of weights, I was bicycling a lot, I was, I was really working on physical fitness, because I'm in the military. And, um, and so um, I went to go see the youth pastor, and I said, hey, is maybe there's something I can do to show the young people here how to lift weights, how to exercise, anything like that. I said, because I could tell this Jesus, he's something special, and I just have to do something for him. And he looks at me, and he says, well, how long have you been born again? Well, I have not gotten to the Gospel of John yet. You said, say uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I had never heard those words before. So, he, so I, I said, born again? Uh, I've been coming here since Sunday. This is Friday, so five days have gone by. I do not remember him praying with me. I'm sure we we probably did, but I really don't have any memory of that. That's not what I do remember. Was when I left his office, and it was about a mile walk to the bus stop to get back to the base. And I got about two blocks, and the Spirit of God fell on me on the street. And my immediate reaction was to break out in a smile, a big smile. So it felt like somebody dropped a bucket of water on my head. Imagine light, or like light, but imagine water. It just, it just felt like light hit me. And the smile breaks out. And my immediate reaction was to look down and try to get the smile off my face. Because nobody walks down the street grinning like that alone. And I'm thinking, anybody, this is a crowded street. People are going to think I'm nuts. <laughs> And so, but I, I got about two blocks just grinning, covering my face, and I thought to myself, wait a minute, what am I ashamed of? This is nothing to be ashamed of. This is great. I, I, you know, I'd be ashamed of how I used to live. This is fantastic. So the next day I go to work, and uh, I'm on a different post in the military, and I'm, I'm guarding an entry control post, like where people get into a, 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 a flight area where planes are, are parked and this guy comes up to my post to get into my restricted area and he hands me his restricted area badge he was my friend and he looks at me and he sees me smiling grinning really just as big as you can get and he says what happened to you either you just got married or you got born again <laughs> second time i'm hearing this word in my life i said um well i didn't get married and I knew I was, I didn't know what the words born again meant, but I knew I was it. That guy would tease me from then on because he was, he was not a follower of Yeshua. He would tease me, but, but I knew I was born again. And, um, and for me, you know, I've realized some things. I've really realized that incident for me because I didn't, I didn't, as it were, you know, we'll say got saved. I didn't get saved because I confessed my sins. No. What I said was, I can tell this Jesus, this is what I told the pastor, I can tell this Jesus, he's something special, and I just have to do something for him. And if you think about Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says that if we confess the Lord with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. It doesn't say if we confess our sins. And so, I, you know... I, for you know, a person I could tell my wife, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cheating on you every night, but I, but I, but I, I'm, I'm not going to change." But would you forgive me? That's like a person who says, "Yeah, I'm living a horrible life, but I don't have any intention on serving the Lord." That's 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 not repentance. That's not coming to God. And so, but when I said I could tell this Jesus is something special. In other words, he must have been risen from the dead. How else could I serve him? And I just have to do something for him. At that point, what I was doing was I was declaring him worthy of being served. I was declaring him alive. So if I'm declaring him worthy of being served, I'm declaring myself his servant. I'm declaring him as my Lord. The word for Lord, the Greek word kurios, actually means master or owner. 
If I'm declaring him my master, I'm saying I'm your slave. Mm. If I'm declaring him my my owner, I'm saying I'm your property. And I had no idea of the theology behind that. But I wasn't confessing sin. I was confessing my need to serve God. Mm. And... And that's how I got saved. Well, Pastor and, Greg, I have to ask, how did your Jewish family accept and embrace <laughs> your your discovery? Well, it's, it was not good. Um, my 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 mom and my dad, my stepdad, um, my, my my parents were irate. Um, they wanted nothing to do with me. They, I, I honestly believe my wife would agree with this. Um, I honestly believe that they would have preferred that I had stayed a drug addict. Um, that's, wow, that's my, harsh. My, yeah, my, my grandfather, who I deeply loved, who also I knew loved me, um, he literally put his hands around my neck to choke me. That's awful. Yeah, because, you know, you know he, we're talking Holocaust age. We're talking people like, you know, my grandfather, I'm, you know, I'm, we're talking about he, he was an adult during the Holocaust. Okay. Family, oh. right? How could you do this? Right? And so my family just, it was just beyond anything um, to them. But, you know, um, and the, God did heal the situation with my grandfather. I ended up naming one of my sons after him. Uh, and, um, and, and I just deeply loved, always loved that man, even when he did that. And my... Um, um, and my mom came to faith in the Lord. Uh, I don't know if my stepdad did, my dad. I don't know, but I would not be surprised if he did. His attitude was, it's, he actually said this, it's an unseemly thing for a son to try to change his father's faith. Mm. Yeah. So I understand that. Well, uh, how did you get clean from the drugs? That must have been quite an ordeal also. That's a great question. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> it was not that I got saved and God came into my life and there and he cleaned me up. That's not what happened. What happened was I was in the Air Force and the Air Force told all the people, this is 1981 now, they told us all that they were going to start a drug uh, program that's called Project Golden Flow, a urine analysis program. And they're going to test, you know, they're going to um, uh, just just on a um, random basis call people down to have them tested for drugs. And they told us, if we find drugs in your urine, we will know that you have done it in the last 30 days and we are going to send you to Leavenworth. And we're telling you now, we're giving you 30 days notice. And so in... You know, so you'll know. So if you're doing drugs, you better stop now. Well, I heard that. Like, they announced it to everybody. I thought, I don't want to go to Leavenworth. And I knew they would do that because just before I went in the Air Force, there were 80 cops, Air Force cops, at the Hickam Air Force Base in Hawaii that got arrested uh, for, for drugs. And the reason I got sent to that base was because, and made a cop was because they needed people to do that because they had arrested so many. So I knew that if they tested, I was going to jail. I didn't want that to happen to me. So I literally said, I'm stopping because I don't want to go to jail. Mm, praise God for that. Yeah. Well, I'm let's talk a little bit about how your life changed after you became born again and how has God been using you? <laughs> I was really, really, really blessed. Um, I, I've never had a day in my life when I would not have said to anybody I was Jewish. That, that has never been the case. I've always, I've always, you know, whenever I was in the Air Force, said, "What's your religion?" I've looked for, I've looked for words that could maybe. I, any, I didn't know the words Messianic Jew at the time, but I'd look for anything that would reflect the idea that I was both uh, Jewish and Christian. I do not mind the word Christian. I consider myself a Christian. I consider myself Jewish. I have never had a day when I would not have considered myself Jewish. And so um, I just I just um, um, looked for ways to, to do that. And I found, I found by God's grace, and really by God's grace, I found that the church was very welcoming to me because of my Jewish knowledge. 
and you know, I graduated Hebrew High School. I mean, I was like, I was, I was like, I knew Judaism, right? I, so I found the church very open to me, especially clergy were interested in me, and I, I didn't pay any attention. But it was kind of funny because after I actually went in the ministry, after I got called to the ministry, uh, at that point, I, I found that there were clergy who. Um, were were angry with me not a lot but there were there were there were there had there have always been some not so much anymore but there have always been some who at the first few years of my ministry who were angry with me uh and they 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 considered me a judaizer and i'm not a judaizer um i believe that uh you're for example um in my nutshell here's how i parse it all out Uh, a husband and a wife become one but the man does not lose his masculine identity and the woman does not lose her feminine identity. And so, but the two of them become one. And the same book that says that they become one, Ephesians chapter five, the same book says the Jew and the Gentile become one. And just as the man does not lose his identity and the woman does not lose her identity, neither does the Jew and neither does the Gentile. The curse, the curse says that the man is superior. That is not God's will. That's the curse. And the curse would say, would, would say the woman is superior. The curse would say a Jew is superior. The curse would say a Gentile is superior. A fool would say there's no difference between a man and a woman. And I know our culture's got a lot of that now. But that's foolishness. Of course there's a difference between a man and a woman. But that because to recognize the difference does not mean that one is superior. Right. I want my wife to celebrate her femininity in front of me, and that blesses me. Amen, amen. But let's talk a little bit, though, about how God is using you today. Sure. Um, I went in the ministry. I, I really, really felt called, and I uh, went to seminary, and after... After seminary, I got my first position, and I was a was a pastor in a, in a Pentecostal church, an associate pastor, and then I became a lead pastor, and I led a church, um, a Pentecostal church, for sixteen years. And near the end of that, I really felt. Actually, I called up the head of the denomination in the state, and I said, "Would you give me a recommendation for another church?" When I first came here, I was happy, and I'm not happy anymore. And, and, and then actually in that conversation, I actually said, it could be as simple as I just need to get a doctorate in Messianic leadership. I said, but as far as I know, there are none. And so um, that was the last Friday of July in 2010. On Monday, the next business day, I got a surprise phone call from a person I'd only met for a few moments once before, and he knew that I was Jewish. And he said to me, the, I answer the phone, and he says, uh, Greg, and you may know the person I'm about to call by name. He said, Greg, Greg Annan here. You probably don't know this about me, but I'm the guy that started the Israel College of the Bible. And I'm going to be starting a doctorate in Messianic leadership. It'll be the first one in the history of the church world, and I want you to be a part of it. Wow. I said, I just said this on Friday. I said, Ray, um, I got to talk to my wife about this. This is like, wow, I got to talk to her. I said, because it's a big decision, for, you know, the finances and all that. And Ray said to me, Greg, we hardly know each other. He said, Greg, I really think you need to do this. He must have spied me out. He said, <laughs> I really think you can do this. In fact, would it make a difference if I told you I'll raise the money to pay for the first year for your tuition and 50% for the second and third? I said, well, yeah, it'd make a huge difference. He said, I'll do that because I really think you need to do this. Amazing. So, so he did. I finished the degree. After I finished the degree, um, <clears throat> while I worked on the degree, I was happy because I was studying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was studying all of my, the things that just in our, in my heart. So I finished the degree and when, and I'm happy. And then what, uh, once I finished it though, I was no longer studying the same way because I didn't have that like heavy focus of working on a doctorate in messianic leadership. So the, the happiness started to wane. And at this point I started to think about another position. 
So I started to work on something, and I call at this point. I know Dr. Reagan really well because he, the you know because of everything that had gone on while I worked on the degree with him. And um, so when I finished, um, you know, I got I, I called him up. I said. Uh, Dr. Gannon, I know that you started three messianic synagogues, and and I'm thinking about doing this ministry idea. Um, what do you think? Can you give me some pointers? And he said to me, Greg, would it be okay with you if I submitted your resume to something? I said, yeah, what is it? He said, I can't tell you. It's not public knowledge yet, but I'd like to. So I said, okay, I'll give it to you. So I gave him my resume, and he he submitted it to Gateway Church. So I don't know how much you know about Gateway Church, but Gateway Church is, is I, I don't mind saying, it really is the leading church in the world when it comes to supporting Messianic Judaism. And so, um, and he gave them my resume, he gave them my name, they reached out to me, and uh, I have been on staff here now since um, February 2015, and I get to lead the Jewish ministry. So I'm the pastor of Jewish ministries at Gateway Church. I serve Robert Morris, Pastor Robert Morris. It's a great church. If people wanted to know, because we're, we're getting pretty much towards the end of the interview, if people want more information and want to go to a particular website to find out more, where would you have them go? Um, really, you could go to gatewaypeople.com. That's gatewaypeople.com. Dot com, and you could literally look up um, in the you could, when you get there you could look for Gateway Church Watch, like you're going to watch a, a video or something. And um, when you get there, you could put my name in, Greg Stone, um, or you could put in Shabbat Services. Um, you could also go to uh, we have a YouTube page, um, Gateway. It's it's called Gateway Jewish Ministries. And what I have done for the, I love what I do. Um, basically, um, um, like I'll call off years. And as I mentioned a year, the year, I'm, 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 for example, if I say 2016, what I mean is from, from Simchat Torah of 2016. Okay, so, so from the fall of 2016. With that understanding, in 2016, I started a, a series here at Gateway Church on Yeshua in the book of Leviticus. So I did a year on that. The following year, I did a year on the Jewishness of Revelation. The following year, I went back to the, the Tanakh, and I did a year on Life in the Wilderness, the Book of Numbers. The following year, I did um, uh, Back to the New Testament. We, uh, we did uh, a year on the Book of Hebrews. And then COVID came. And then and when we came back from COVID, I have been in the book of Psalms for two years. And every week I just take, I take, I take a Psalm and I show Jewish insights to the Psalm and I show um, Christian insights to the Psalm and I bring them together and I show Yeshua in the Psalms. So we actually call it um, Jesus's Jewish roots. And the reason I call it that is because I want Gentiles to come to this too. So, by, you know, we used to call it Abdallah, but we changed it. And we call it Jesus' Jewish roots because we want Gentiles coming. We don't want them thinking, oh, that's just for the Jews. And we want everybody to come. And mm. so it's actually um, consistently the largest um, class classes, consistently. You know, it might have a week that's different, but on a regular basis, it's consistently the largest class at Gateway Church on a weekly basis and has been since 2016, which is a big deal because we're talking about a church that pre-COVID was 32,000 people per week. And uh, now post-COVID, the, the actual on campus is a little lower, but the online is like much larger. And so um, so it's, a, it's one of the world's most significant churches. Pastor Robert says that the reason the church is so blessed is because it practices to the Jew first. That's that's the, the core DNA. He says God told him that's the reason the church is so blessed. And so they anybody could do what I do because he just brought me in to, to do this. And, and he says, hey, this is the most important thing we do. But, and then I say, anybody could do what I do just because when you have a leader who says that in a church like this, and so I literally get, and I get, to, you know, 
I just get to, to talk about Yeshua roots, the Yeshua roots of Christianity. And I tie the two. I show the bridge. I am a living bridge. So you can literally go to Gateway Jewish Ministries on YouTube. You could find lessons on any of those topics. You could go to gatewaypeople.com and you could find my sermons the first Friday of every month. Gateway has a Shabbat service that I, I speak at about half of them. I, I, I have the privilege of leading them, that ministry, and I have guest speakers the other half. But um, but that's kind of how we do it, and so that's how you can you can find what we do. Excellent. Gateway. Well, we have Thank run out you. of time, but I am so thrilled to know about your ministry, and God is using you in a tremendous way. And I want to thank you so much for being my guest on Bagels and Blessings. Well, thank you. And when I get home tonight, I'm going to have a bagel. Okay. <laughs> I'll send you over a blessing. May the Lord bless everything that you do, and I certainly hope to have you on the air again sometime. So shalom for now. Shalom, shalom. That was my interview with Pastor Greg Stone. And I pray the Lord blesses you and gives you favor. Now, here's Phil Klein with the ironic benediction. Shalom. Yesadonai Panamalecha Yasem Lecha Shalom Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. This is Ethel Chadwick saying, Shalom Alechem, peace be with you. Remember, every day of your life is an opportunity to be a blessing to someone. Thank you so much for listening to Bagels and Blessings. Shalom. Shalom.